Happy Monday, Goblins. Brandon here. It's a chilly Sunday morning as I sit here in my office uh, eating some tiramisu and drinking a cup of coffee, editing this review of uh, Vox Machina, episodes seven through nine. A uh, couple of notes. First is Gabe and I went into this with every genuine intention of keeping it tight to like 45 minutes or an hour, but ended up being more like 90 minutes. So I hope you don't mind listening to an hour and a half of us talking about episode seven through nine of Vox Machina. Bizarrely, there weren't a whole lot of digressions in this, but we managed to fill out the time anyway. Uh, second thing, uh, be sure if you're not already listening to it to check out Quid Pro Roll. Uh, that's our sister podcast. It's an actual play and it releases every Wednesday. So go to quidproroll.podbean.com or basically anywhere you can get a podcast anywhere. And also be cool and check out our friend Noah's actual play podcast, Forgotten Paths. Uh, he's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Uh, it's in most of the places, if not all of them. So check that out. Give them uh, a like, subscribe and review and be sure to review Quid Pro Roll as well. Definitely review Quid Pro Roll. Five stars. Review it. Everybody have a good day today and have a good start to your week. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Goblins and Growlers podcast review edition. Uh, this is Brandon at Way of Brandalore. And I'm Gabe uh, at Amethyst Audiomancer on Instagram. Yep, yep, yep. And we are back with a review of episodes seven through nine of The Legend of Vox Machina, which, uh, oh, by the way, spoilers, spoiler review. If you haven't watched it by now, uh, <laughs> that's on you. But you probably have since you're taking the time to listen to a podcast reviewing it. Um, or you're just really good friends of ours and you don't care. So either way, welcome. Yeah, either spoilers. way. Th thanks for your time. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um I, I learned something interesting this week, Gabe, when I was trying to watch. Um, it was Thursday evening and I was sort of winding down. It was maybe like eight o'clock mm -hmm. in the evening. And I thought, huh, does it does it drop at midnight on Friday? Could I actually watch this in the morning, like some of these in the morning before I yeah. go to work? And then I looked and it does drop at midnight on Thursdays, but Greenwich Mean Time, which means yeah. it's 7 p.m. here. So it actually goes live at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Which almost like, because it's a 7 p.m. on a Thursday, and I, the, ironically, that's kind of when Critical Role usually starts, mm -hmm. is like night on a Thursday. Interesting. I wonder if they plan that. That would be interesting. Yeah. But I saw that and I was like, oh, crap. So I was able to make a lot better use of my time Thursday and knocked out the first two episodes Thursday evening. And then I finished up watching episode nine uh, earlier today. Um, so, yeah, it's it's Saturday evening right now. It's about 630. Gabe and I have both pre had a conversation before we hit the button about how tired we are. It's, <laughs> so, been, a, it's been a long week and strangely enough, a long Saturday. Yeah, it has been a long Saturday. I got up at like six o'clock this morning just because I couldn't like I woke up and couldn't get back to sleep. So I just made some coffee yep. and started going. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we can jump right into it. Um, starting with episode seven, uh, just sort of setting the table for everything. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, too, before we started, but you said that your notes were a lot less involved this time around. Yeah, a lot, a lot lighter, um, mostly just like keeping track of things. And even mm -hmm. that wasn't super because at this point, the, the way that the story is going, it's flowing better from episode to episode. So there's less of like this was the major thing in this episode and more like 
this was the major thing over these three episodes. Yeah, the three episode chunks now are starting to feel like like movie installments almost yes. that are yeah. just being interrupted by opening credits and ending credits. Yeah. Which Especially is nice to hit the skip credits. Yeah, it's button. it's it's really nice because I feel like not being driven to take notes because like it's because you're a lot more involved in the story. And yeah. it's just like you said, it's just flowing way better. Uh, I will say that uh, what, what, what you just mentioned about um, like the intro and outro credits. Uh, I, I did like and now that I think about it, I don't know if it's at the the three episode parts like episode three, uh, six and nine um, that the outro credits that they have a different song over them like one time it was like a like a really somber thing at the end of one of the episodes and then at episode i think nine this time it had um uh scanlan singing i remember i remember scanlan singing at the end of episode nine but i didn't think about the end credits music on any of the other episodes, just because at that point I'm like, okay, episode's over, and I know there right. are no post credit sequences, so I'm tapping out so I can right. move on to the next thing I have to do. Um, um, I, I just remember, like for for the most part, that it's uh, their their ending credits theme is a reprisal of the uh, the the Mighty Nine theme, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I think they they called like your 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 turn to roll was the name of that song. Um, and yeah, there, there are a couple times where like, like, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly which one it was, but it, it, the episode ended on a very like tense and somber note. Mm-hmm. And then like the credits just maintained that like sad, something's wrong. Something's bad. Feel. Was that episode four or five where they ended it with the uh, peasants that were hung on the soundtrack? It might've been that. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, it, it, that's it definitely had that like. Aw, kind of yeah. feel the music. Yeah, a real, a real down ending. Yes, as as as, as opposed to the more heroic da 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 thing. That's a good choice, though. That's a good editing choice. Yes, to do uh, that. The The Witcher does that a lot. Um, where like sometimes they'll play their, like the the sort of general closing score thing, but other times they'll either have like Jeskier or some other person like singing something that is really related to what just happened at the very end bit. I should really catch up on The Witcher. I watched like the first couple episodes of the first season and then sort of fell out of it and then COVID and then I wasn't worried about it anymore. Right. Yeah. Witcher, in in my opinion, uh, while, while Legend of Vox Machina is unarguably the most direct Dungeons and Dragons to a visual media, um, The Witcher feels the most like uh, out of almost anything that i've seen of a actual like dungeons and dragons style adventure Mm -hmm. turned into media yeah i really want to watch it because everybody has said it's fantastic and the song i I, like i love the toss a coin to your witcher song yeah um and the various club remixes of it that i've found so and and jeskier although he is a horny bard he is like i don't know he's he's fresh in his design Mm mm-hmm He's also super uh, fragile in his ego, which is yeah. hilarious. But Netflix, yeah, Netflix, Netflix is getting ready to raise their prices, so we will see if I wish to toss any more coins at them Ooh, to watch that The is Witcher. Very fair. Yeah, just borrow your uncles. Hey, speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, vaguely D and D related stuff, you know the um, Amazon uh, Second Age Lord of the Rings story 
like they have a like the oh, teaser trailer and stuff yeah i think that's coming in september we should review that too absolutely that'll be that, a great reason to watch that that sounds that's like that's less D D being adapted to uh, a visual medium than the thing that inspired D D being adapted to a visual medium yeah <laughs> um all right do you want to go ahead and get started on uh, episode seven yes could you I, I will i will i'll let you lead uh the, the the charge on this one okay all right so yeah we start off with some much needed backstory at least from my perspective as somebody who as we've stated a number of times has no background in critical role yeah that was my cat jumping up on a table i'm not going to worry about editing that out but um, <laughs> um but it's a flashback to uh, percy and cassandra uh, oh that's right with professor anders yeah we finally get some background on that um with uh the uh i believe you have my stapler guy doing his right. voice Stephen Reed. yes um and they're talking about whitestone's biggest export um the actual white stone that apparently can be refined into something called residuum which I, like i don't I'll, like i'll be honest i wasn't again i wasn't like fully super duper hardcore paying attention when i was first watching critical role because mm -hmm. it's like a four-hour episode uh including the intermission um so there are times where i'm just like yeah 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 they're talking about things i'm gonna go make a cup of tea um but i don't remember them uh in the in the show ever talking about residuum until you find out that you know anders later on is like all about residuum but there was no like backstory or Percy going like, oh, yes, Whitestone is turned into residuum because magic things. Maybe uh, maybe that's something they did for the TV adaptation. Yeah. Like, you know, how well, I've been were... talking over the last couple episodes like, oh, you know, this probably translated really well at the table. Yeah. But turning it into an animated series, they probably needed to do this, that or the other thing. Maybe this is them doing this, that or the other thing. There were some there were some big divergent stuff in this in, in these couple episodes. Oh, really? Um, I'm looking forward to you calling that out. Yeah. But yeah, so apparently... Like, or have a bad the, memory. We'll find out. Yeah, the refined whitestone can blow up glass or something like that. I got the impression that it just amplifies magical energies or something like that. Yeah, I think that's that's the idea is that it's it's uh, like a, a conduit element thing. Mm -hmm. Like a supercharging things or something. Yeah. Um, so we go through this and uh, Anders has really a sort of superior attitude. He clearly... Uh, resents the children uh, for their place in society. And then uh, their parents come in and Anders starts talking to them about a mining project that he wants to do and they're blowing him off. But it sounds like he's been hitting him up for this a number of times and he goes all meek like, oh, you know, pardon my presumption, right. et cetera. And then like turning around mumbling like right. in front of the kids too. I was like, my dude, that wasn't stealthy. Yeah. And like he just he's so two faced on it, too. Like he goes from sort of detached. I'm over it, professor, to immediately terrifying. Yes. Well, and then and then also like the, the, this is one of those things it, it illustrates to me like how I understand like for the plot and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it can happen in real life. But how do you hire that kind of a creepy dude as your like in-house magister? Like you're just this creepy dude who's a, clearly a pain in your backside and you're going to have him teach your kids. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Maybe it's one of those things where you see the potential and value in somebody and you're willing to overlook yeah that's certain fair. things about them and maybe he came cheap too that's yeah that's fair 
Yeah. So we go through that flashback and it gives us a little bit of context on perhaps what the Briarwoods are doing, what they're after uh, in terms of this material. I don't know because these three episodes didn't resolve it, but I can only assume that's sort of where it's going. Yes. Um, And then we cut to those peasants still hanging from that tree, which I guess it's only sort of been a day in story. So that makes sense. Nobody's going to go out there and cut them down because the Briarwoods were the ones who had them put up there. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna say like I, I, I feel like like uh, I, I think they actually mentioned that like we shouldn't cut them down because this area is probably not only being watched, so mm-hmm. they would be noticed for cutting it down, but also if some like peasant or person were to cut it down, they would probably get punished. Yeah, uh, and then we cut back to the group and they're doing sort of their uh, regrouping, recovering, debriefing after. Uh, the incident at the end of the last episode where um, Percy went into full vengeance mode. Yeah. Uh, like in front of everybody and almost uh, shot. Almost shot Vax. Yeah, almost shot Vax. And Vax is like, hey, man, what what the hell? You're becoming a threat to everybody Which, with this weird vengeance shit that you're on right now. I, I think that was actually um, like that actually did happen in game. Like the the whole like like Percy, like like losing it and then just turning the gun on uh vax and the party type mm-hmm. of thing because he's yeah, so cause he was in lost in that orange eyeball thrall that he had yeah with the smoke guys yeah. the smoke the death smoke <laughs> then we get like it, it's sort of the next part i thought was a little bit weird because finally everybody's like look man we're with you on this but you have you gotta let us know what's going on what right. is happening and only now you know seven episodes in do we get a little bit more of his backstory where he goes into, yeah, you know, you know, you know, I ran, you know, my sister was shot and killed, et cetera, et cetera. Or at least I thought she was killed. Um, I had to jump into the ocean to escape because they were pursuing me. I was found by a ship. Yep. Uh, and then he sort of tells this Oliver twist tale of how he let him, he let Percy DeRolo die to a certain extent. So he could become somebody else. It shows him sort of wandering around alleyways and the shit. Eating moldy bread, eating moldy bread. He grabs like an, an old tarp or cloth and puts right. over him. he's sleeping in the alleyways and everything. But then all of a sudden he's like, then I had a vision, you know, like doc Brown falling off the toilet and banging his head and seeing the yes. flux capacitor. He, uh, he has a vision of the pepper box. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's no longer sleeping on the streets. He's now in some sort of workshop. So I'm guessing he was able to pull himself up by his bootstraps or something. Or or, or like like maybe he was uh, like he found a job as someone in a in a forge and then all of a sudden was like, hey, I'm actually really competent. So I'm just going to use this forge or some or stole it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but that it, was that was definitely Percy at his lowest. So, I mean, honestly, if the character if if the character was like, no, I I, I killed the blacksmith and stole the whole smithy. Yeah, because because um, he's like right now he's dealing with all kinds of PTSD and survivor's guilt. Yeah. And that's sort of the thing that's moving him right now. That is that more than anything else is fueling him. Yeah. Uh, just having to deal with that because he's being just consumed and haunted by what happened and that need for vengeance is just festering within him and it's like it's really metastasizing as he's working the forge (laughs) uh i did like the um 
as he as he as as he goes through and like talks about all all, all the things, and then Scanlan's like, you know, yikes, no wonder he's single. Um, <laughs> in the in in the same sense, like it's like early on Scanlan's comic relief, it felt a little off because again, it, like it it doesn't fit super well in the fantasy animated narrative feel. Mm-hmm. But I think the like the longer that I'm watching this, I'm starting to meld the bridge between this and a Dungeons and Dragons session. Mm-hmm. And so things like that are starting to feel a little bit more at home. Yeah, it, at a, around a table, that probably feels like some fun verisimilitude. Yeah. But it feels very 90s sitcom-y, that, those kind of quips, yes. watching it on a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, exactly that, very nanny. Yeah. The only other thing I'll mention about this Percy scene is he's like, oh, you know, I was inspired to build this pepper box. And I wrote down inspired dot 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 or influenced exclamation point question mark, because it's it's very clear that something is motivating his actions. Yes. On this. He is he is someone else's instrument right now. Yeah, exactly. And, And it is like like they're they're foreshadowing for that as well has been uh like again for people who have watched uh critical role mm-hmm. like you will you'll be picking up on a lot of them like the various like raven skull things and he's wearing the raven mask or the plague doctor mask and like all of that stuff it's alluding towards something but um for those like yourself that have not watched it uh like you're catching all these things and it's building up to something but you're not exactly sure where but you have a good idea mm-hmm yeah, um, it, it probably helps that I'm watching with the intent of taking notes and keeping an eye on what's going right. on. Maybe if I were just watching it like super casually, I wouldn't note, right. notice. You're just as like, much. oh, that was neat. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then, so they're all in this basement, and one of the roots of the sun tree is in the basement. So Keyleth goes over and starts to try to commune with it, and uh, accidentally sets it on fire. But yeah, I believe but, that did really happen. Yeah, but as a result of that. You know, we're learning what we already know, essentially, that the tree's dying. Well, duh. <laughs> yes, very much dying. Uh, that's actually um, in the in the show. She tries to cast uh, speak with plants. Mm-hmm. And like it, it I, I believe it, it, it was done like every time she tried to talk with it, it was like this vague whisper of a of a consciousness that was almost almost there. But then like there was some, like that darkness, something actually eating at the bottom of the tree, draining so something, its magic. So almost like a vaguely, barely comatose kind of consciousness. Yeah, like a like a a person with a million mosquitoes drinking out of them, and they're like, I, "I'm kind of here, but I have okay. I have six droplets of blood that's working the whole body." Yeah. So as part of that, too, there was uh, there was more discussion going on with Percy. And I think at this point he was sort of going through all the names on the gun. Yes. Uh, not necessarily saying like, here's a name and now let me describe this person. But he was just rattling off the list. And yeah. one of the ones he threw out there was Anna Ripley. And I was yes. like, who is this? I don't remember that person being mentioned at any other point in the previous six episodes. Yes, she was uh, not mentioned. And that was that was another thing like in. uh in the in 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 critical role um like i i can definitely tell I, I, again i've said this multiple times uh uh liam o'brien and uh liam o'brien and talos and jaffe are definitely like 
seasoned role players and they clearly talked to Matt Mercer to like get their characters' backstories integrated into the world, all this stuff, tons of NPCs rolling back. Because in in Critical Role, like Anna Ripley gets mentioned a handful of times, only from Percy. The entire cast has no idea who the hell this person is. The the viewership, no idea. Uh, it's essentially like a secret and NPC until eventually they become like a person in the story. Oh, and then well, I'm like, in good oh. company then. <laughs> yeah, and like like that 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 is the intention of it. I was like, I, I heard Anna Ripley. I was like, Ellen Ripley. Are, no, unfortunately. Are there any xenomorphs coming? God, I I wonder if that was the th- uh, idea behind the name originally, but um, yes, yeah. Uh, Ripley is uh, an interesting character. Uh, that in the show, uh, again, the the concept of the character is introduced around this arc, but the character themselves developed uh, a lot more into uh, an entity of themselves much later on. Hmm. Um, and you know, spoilers, I guess, for episode nine, but am I correct? And that's who we're seeing at the end of episode nine. I, I believe that is okay, which is why he was like, Yeah, you get one option, death. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed that part. We'll talk about it here shortly. But a couple of other bullet points I had, um, uh, more overplayed, uh, played out alcohol worship from Grog. Yeah, that uh, was that was like sad. Like I, 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 it is silly, but like out of out of the bunch of them, that one is particularly frustrating because it's like, did Vax know that was there? Yeah, uh, <laughs> like come on. Yeah, um, but, at, but at, the, at this time, point, I'm like, probably just allowing myself to be like triggered by it. Uh huh. Because because <laughs> it irritates me so much. But I mean, it, it's know, still kind of. I know Lazy. what you said, like, you know, character these first for a lot of the players, these were their first characters. They were built on a bed of tropes. Yes. So they're just leaning into it. So fair, yeah. fair enough. But everyone's also very, very tense. Um, nobody's cutting anybody any breaks. Um, Vax, however, is willing to cut Keyleth a break over the whole fire thing, but he's not willing to cut Percy a break, not willing to cut anybody a break. Yep. Which is kind of funny because like Percy is back where he came from where this horrible disaster happened and dude can't get no breaks from his friends but right? keyleth almost starts a fire in a basement and he's like ah, it's fine yeah oh it's, it's okay <laughs> no we, worries we, we just have to get out of here now or we'll suffocate on the smoke yeah. um yeah yeah and 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 vex i will say the like i was i think i've said this before i've never i've never been a huge fan of the like the 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 tension of the vax vex sibling relationship uh or the vax and keyleth uh in in the in the in the show it was a very drawn out will they won't they um but in 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 this it feels a little like they're they're really trying to hammer that nail in mm-hmm. of the of the relationships. Um, hey, which, did you notice that we're tense? Did you notice that we have a tense right, and clingy relationship? Right. Like, did you did did you notice that 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 we like each other a lot? Like, and we <laughs> and we and we keep and like you can also see like some of the other ones like the interparty various relationships, um, all very heterosexual and predictable, but. 
uh within within the the the, the groups and it's like you can you can see them very obviously like mm-hmm. it's not subtle in the slightest which you know i'm not i'm not a, a seasoned adventurer risking my life for the safety of the world so i don't know maybe i would be very obvious with how i telegraph my emotions to, to interparties wise i mean was it like this during the actual show mm, kind of it was it was a little bit looser but because it was like hours and hours and hours and hours long yeah because i was it, it had i was wondering to develop if given the sort of abbreviated nature of this arc because uh, maybe they're like well you know if you set aside episodes one and two we've really got 10 episodes to tell this story and we yeah. don't know if we're coming back for a second season so maybe we should try and get all this stuff set up and out there now right and that that's that's probably probably the idea where uh again like it it, it had more time to develop um humorously almost right. uh and then and then in in this it is it is much more uh like even the uh the vex and and percy moments mm-hmm. um they're 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 light but like they're they're just noticeable enough that it's like it's it's i don't know it it has that has that that feeling like in in animes where like you know the 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 male protagonist walk walks past the girl that like really likes him, and then she just bursts into a fit of giggles or something. Uh huh. And you're like, that's not how real humans work, I don't think. <laughs> but okay. Uh, comic book style telegraphing. Um, another thing I loved in this episode, uh, which or if you if you're if you're moved through that part, um. I specifically remember the whole thing with uh, them all trying to figure out how to set up their two-pronged plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the thing that I was telling you about before with uh, Scanlan trying his bag of tricks. Yeah, and I um, really I really enjoyed that part. because yeah, that was fantastic. After, after all this emotional stuff in the basement where everybody's getting mad at everybody, they um, realize they need to bust out. Cassandra, I think Archie's the one that was like, hey, if we... Buster, if we get her out of there so she's not captive by the Briarwoods anymore, that'll rally the town. So let's get this figured out. And then we yeah. got an exposition dump about the Dorolo family residences that were not in the castle, but in the town, I guess. Yeah, yeah the, and, the, or like the other nobles yeah. or something. And those have been given out to uh, essentially the generals of the new regime. Yes. Um, so Scanlan, while they're hiding... Uh, makes his pitch for his plan. I'm just gonna go set fire to the guy's house. Um, what was the what was the name of that one? That guy, uh, Baron something. Vedmir. 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 Duke Vedmire. Yeah. That's it. So he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go set fire to his house. That'll that'll cause that'll cause a distraction, and then you guys can uh, bust in and do whatever you need to do. Which, I mean, he did. Is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, had, he had his his bag of random potions, and you know, you're. I think you're probably too young for gummy bears, but uh, I it was gummy bears. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> like I wrote down gummy berry juice because he just kept drinking the potion and then seeing what would happen because yes. gummy berry juice had like a different effect on different species. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's actually a, um a lot a lot of that felt like I just I can't imagine that that's good for your gastrointestinal system. 
no just putting random stuff in there no. yeah just like here let me drink this potion now let me drink this other potion because the first let's see there was there was the uh teleporting potion yes that let him blink or whatever blink all the guards to kill like basically slice each other up by accident yeah. then it was the shrinking potion yeah. that he used to get away for a minute from and large and then jumped on to the chandelier and gave him the finger they and also then got only lasted like a couple seconds yeah <laughs> like not even a minute yeah um, that was disappointing but at least he got some use out of him uh, yeah and, and then he gets captured and then he drinks the the fire breathing potion that was amazing and is actually yeah. able to set the house on fire at that point yes. uh because his original plan was to put some hay bales up against the side of the house and light them on fire with matches yeah. and then it started raining uh so he sets the fire and he starts running around and they're chasing him. And then that wears off. And then his, he's out of tricks, but he still has that polymorph spell. Yeah. And he hasn't quite figured out, but he, he's like, well, I'll try singing it. And then it was morphin time. Cause he turned yeah. into a triceratops yes. and just raged through there, which was pretty fantastic. Yeah. That was, that was gorgeous. That was all that all happened in, um, the uh the the actual uh critical role episode uh and was just as like almost bad the entire time it kept being like <laughs> almost deadly bad and then he would try something new and it would get better for him um yeah and we I, talked I last time about perfectly we talked last time about me trying to spot things that i thought actually happened at the table because yeah. they were just so wild like the multiple failures and stuff but yeah this yeah. very much read like okay just gonna this is a bad idea and i'm just gonna play it out all the way to the end mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens because that, that, that really was like uh i think in, in the show scanlan he like did something that he felt was dumb mm -hmm. and he wanted to redeem himself to the party and that's where i was like guys just let me do it by myself let, let me do this i'll do this by myself and like that was actually one of the first times that scanlan as a as a Karen sam regal playing him uh was trying to work against the self-centered horny bard feel thing mm -hmm. and start to develop the character um with like a, a deeper conscience and uh morality um because I, I can't remember exactly what he did but it, it was something like he was embarrassed about like that what that was dumb i endangered the party or something like that mm -hmm. and so he wanted this to be his chance to to prove himself back um and i like that they had him sort of like like do the thing where he's like guys come on let, let me do this you yeah. say you say i'm annoying all the time that, that, that i believe that was an actual quote too from the original show yeah it was <laughs> it was good he, he gave it the hard sell yeah and then he's gone for a while and everybody's still sitting in their little hiding spot like he's dead he's messed this up <laughs> and then all of a sudden they look out and they see the they see it on fire and they're like oh holy shit uh, <laughs> it actually worked so then they break immediately and go for their rescue attempt Yes. into i guess it was anders house that they were going into yeah yeah um the the weird god the the design for those people the weird frog head things yeah they make me think of like the uncomfortable version of frog and toad <laughs> was uh anders and then that other guy with the big hammer mm -hmm. like just that they, they they look like frog and toad but more humanoid yeah and maybe it was anders house maybe it was someplace else but regardless anders was there um yeah and i wrote down i don't even remember what what this meant when i wrote it down but i wrote down grog is america <laughs> yes yeah 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. When he gets riddled with arrows. I Yeah, I, I think it's either that or he was just let's kill everybody like you know yes. don't don't worry about anything <laughs> just kill them all um and uh, i thought it was funny that the model like the character model for a lot of the guards is exactly the same yes they're all played by the same person yeah so they're so they're going through uh they're trying well they they have an argument about whether the front door of this place is a trap and vax is like oh let me pick the lock and grog, oh that's that's what i meant when that's what it was when yes. grog was like when i said grog is america because he's like not everything's a trap and he's just moving headlong with this unearned confidence yes um and he just into a trap <laughs> yeah barrels into a trap immediately and everybody's like well yeah of course uh, <laughs> and then it cuts back to scanlan who is at this point on the roof um yes trying try to, to evade vedmire um and they get in a fight. Um, Vedmire is very much wiping the floor with him. Um, Scanlan tries a few things, but then ultimately, uh, Dick Lightning is what saves the day. <laughs> yep. The classic Scanlan uh, pelvic thrust lightning. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> that one, that one, one of one of the many genius things that Sam Regal came up with. Um, I'm 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 certain he's not the first bard to shoot ma- magic from his uh nether regions. Um but certainly obviously the most famous but uh it, it was certainly very well done and translated perfectly into this. Yeah, if you look at Scanlan's spell list really like he's very effective as a as a combat magician. Yes. Yeah. I think he he was is he a lore bard? I can't remember if he's a lore bard or a Valor, College of Valor. I don't know because I've purposefully not looked up anything because I don't want to get fair. spoiled. I, I, I'm i trying to remember which one because I, I know he can do the um, the cutting words mm-hmm. thing where you, where you can use your bardic inspiration to remove uh, points from a, from a, an opponent's role. Um, I know, I, I remember he, he used that a lot. But yeah, like he, he Scanlan's spell list consistently was phenomenal uh and 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 very like his whole kit i mean but bards in fifth edition are very powerful characters to begin with right but um that's why i'm playing it (laughs) yeah having scanlan like run that uh that 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 personality with that spell list was really fun because it was it, it it showcased that the idea that the character is like uh much like the rest of the party very powerful unfortunately has either the arrogance or lack of confidence to utilize that power mm-hmm. but then the more honed they get like with, with, with scanlan becoming less arrogant the more effective he is I, I read it as scanlan just needs to become a serious person yes and yes he'll be super effective at pretty much anything he does yes if if, if he was a little less arrogant a little less goofy um but then he wouldn't be scanlan you know yeah so then uh, the other team uh, busts in to the room where Anders is and Anders has a knife to Cassandra's throat. Yep. And I wrote down like, oh, you know, you know, are they going to do cliffhanger here? No. You know, Anders just slits her throat and then he starts sort of right dancing around like a, like a cinematic villain. Um, and. Uh, I was like, this was this was I wrote down. This is too simple. I wrote, was this right. an illusion? And um, 
then the last note that I had for this episode as you know, Cassandra goes down with a slit throat and everybody's panicking. I was like, you know, I'm just really not invested in Anders as a villain because really the only character building of him as an enemy that they've done has been in this episode. And yeah. it was in that flashback at the beginning. Like yeah. I know he's made a couple of sporadic appearances in the previous episodes, but not enough for me to really be invested in him as a villain. I needed to see an example of some other villainous act or something. Yeah. Because as of right now, like he just feels uh, one dimensional, really. Yes. Yeah. He's he is like, you, you know, he's a villain because Percy sees him as such kind of thing. Right. Um, and not not, not because the viewer themselves has experienced that. Yeah, I almost um, feel like the flashback at the beginning of this episode should have had a second scene to it after um, the Dorolos sort of wrote him off and his mining thing. Yeah, he sh there should have been a second scene where he goes off and plots or something like that yes. or just commits some sort of evil act to or like maybe have like the Briarwoods approaching him to right put him on their side or something offering offering him like gold in exchange for or whatever and, and then him like gladly accepting yeah something yeah. something to show before the scene with him slitting cassandra's throat that he really is rotten to the core kind of thing yeah exactly exactly i don't think this didn't work i just think it could have worked better yes. if they'd done a little bit more character work on him i also like this episode and then into the beginning of the next one like i just Percy has a gun and can shoot him. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't shoot him. <laughs> I mean, like, unless he was, he was just right so, there. I mean, I guess you could argue he hadn't seen his sister in five years or whatever, and she was in mortal danger, and he was maybe worried about missing because maybe he hasn't had a chance to really take Anders' measure after all this time. Because this, this is his first time seeing Anders with Percy being an adult. Yeah. And sort of being a bit more in control of himself and knowing himself. So he might not trust his recollections also why why the white hair like I, I don't think it ever explained why percy's hair all went white or why cassandra has whiteish hair and I they're mean, both in their like 20s uh i don't know if they're in their 30s wasn't he like 13 when he when he ran away yeah i think so yeah if he was like 13 or 14 when he ran away then he would be like 18 or 19 now that's fair yeah that's, yeah that's fair but you know, I started going gray when I was 17, so it's not That's unheard of. Fair, but like it's like bleach white on both of them. And it could be something. It could be something white hair magical. I have read that like stress can do that to people. That's fair. That's true. So who knows? Who, who knows? knows? It's the what, anime. Was the was the character's design established like long before this was an animated series? Like yes. were there? Okay. Yeah. So that's a thing that's been around. It wasn't yes. just decided for this. And I believe uh, Cassandra having the white, like bride of Frankenstein <laughs> white <laughs> line, uh, what was also established in, in that scene uh, in the, um, in the original. Okay. Well, that's a question for probably the player then. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm sure someone out there knows exactly why. Yeah, uh, I was just not as invested to find out earlier. It really, I guess it doesn't matter unless they want to make it a thing that matters. I guess it doesn't matter. The white hair is a sign of uh, whitestoneness. <laughs> if you travel away from whitestone before it's your time. So it cut right after this, right after Cassandra getting her 
uh, throat cut. Basically, it cuts to credits. So then we go to the next yeah. episode. We're in episode eight. And the very first thing I wrote down for episode eight is boo, more of Pike's story. Right. And I got like. I like, yeah, in, in, in fairness. I I don't like Pike's story in this. Like, I don't. It's not interesting. It's really cool. The visuals are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The visuals are it fantastic. It just drags everything down. It it did, and it's like for 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 the ultimate. I, I can't remember. Was was this the episode where it got resolved, or did it only get resolved in episode nine? It only got resolved. In, it the resolution happened off screen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, well, it was just like. I, I don't know. I was I was speechless when that was the without that was the resolution where it's like because it's like I, I like as you're watching as a viewer and it's like, OK, it wasn't a curse. It's something inside of her. What could it possibly be? OK, it must be a conflict of her morality within the group and all this other stuff like. You're you're you're, you're trying to get there, be like, why is this the re the, the thing that's yeah. holding all of this back? Well, and the thing is. You know, she kept talking about how, oh, you know, it must have been a curse from the Briarwoods. Like, no, it was very obvious what it was. There was no mystery for me as the viewer what yeah. was causing her problems. It was self-doubt. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was dragging it down, because it was it was story based exposition for something that did not need to be exposited upon. Yes. Because it was really obvious. Um, you probably could have dipped back into this once. Um, and resolved it that way, right? Um, or you know, because I know how you explained that the whole reason they had to do this B plot was because of the actors' unavailability yes. when they were playing. But there are other ways to do that. Um, I completely agree. Like that, this was this was because uh, the 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 way that they had that again was uh, 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 when Ashley could play, Pike would, um. <laughs> Like, like, like there, there, I don't believe there was much interaction in the temple. None of that happened. But when Ashley could play, like Pike would show up for a brief moment as like an astral projection mm-hmm. and then help out with one thing. And then would at the end of that episode, like, or her, or her actual, like the, the zoom call signal would, uh, or actually I think they were using Skype, the Skype video would die and they're like, Oh, Oh, I guess Pike disappears. <laughs> back to the and it's like a funny thing for in the game right um but it's like she was she was trying to be there uh and it's like like the, this whole subplot of her trying to fight they should have like rewritten happen. it they should have rewritten it yes they, they should have rewritten it with like something else yeah because pike couldn't they couldn't rewrite it for pike to be there because then a lot of the mortal jeopardy from everything goes away because she's a healer Yes. Um, she's the primary healer. But they could have come up with something else. Yeah. Rather than this introspective journey to figure this stuff out. Yes. Um, I don't know what that is. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be complaining since I can't come up with something else aside from like, oh, well, her order just recalled her for something or another. Yeah. And she had to deal with that. And then maybe we touch on that for a few seconds every episode, but not as much airtime as they were giving it because it was like i was really gripped by the briarwood story that was going on and every time i'm yanked over into this it's like i'm getting woken up from asleep uh very rudely yes 
Yeah, you're like this was cool story. I'm 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 going through it. Like it's it's compelling in some areas. It might slog in some others. But then you shift over to uh, a Pike story, and you're like, I I want this to be cool. It looks cool, but it's all ending up at a very obvious point where it's like, yeah, you are, are you telling me there is no doctrine in your religion that says you are are or are not allowed to drink and have fun with your friends yeah. while also like yeah because like this should be clearly stated yeah i mean let's just go ahead and boil boil off all the pike stuff so she goes through this the other priests and stuff are saying oh you know you haven't resolved this yet but it's very difficult for you we can't help you anymore yeah and you know it'll damage you she's like well get out i'll take care of it myself then right. she goes back into whatever the astral plane and uh, talks to the Everlight, and finally the Everlight actually materializes and confronts her, and calls her a liar. Right. And and she's like, "Well, I have, I've never lied to you." And the Everlight says, "Well, I never said you were lying to me. You're lying to yourself." Yeah. Uh, and I think where we left the episode at the end of this episode was Pike feeling like she had to make a choice between her faith and her friends. Yeah. Well, and then and then, and then like in the in the other one, it was like. The, the Everlight was like specifically saying, like, you don't have to make a choice. You just just choose and 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 be honest with it. And the Everlight stays with you, mm -hmm. which is one of those where it's like, well, I would hope so. Otherwise, I can't be an adventurer. Yeah. And there's no it's point in me having these powers. Yeah. If I can't use them. But it just it felt like manufactured drama because yes. we all sort of knew where this was going. Maybe not the details of it, but just basically, yeah, she has to she has to get her head straight and then yeah. everything will be fine. And that, and that 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 kind of like lesson teaching thing I've I've seen Mercer do that a handful of times throughout the show. I don't know if he ever actually did that, like with Pike talking to whatever her because the, the, the goddess was also not called the Everlight. It was some other deity from, uh, I think, Pathfinder or something like that. Mm -hmm. or forgotten realms one of those um greyhawk uh <laughs> but because well, because mercer uses a lot of the greyhawk gods mm -hmm. um like the dawn father's paylor uh but like there 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 was certainly one with like grog way way later on where like grog's fighting a monk who's about to like kill him type of thing and mm -hmm. like he keeps like telling like grog like to learn what is true strength and then eventually like his friends like as as he's about to get killed his friends hop in to stop the fight and mm -hmm. then like grog realizes like his true strength is in community in your friends it's not just you being strong and it's like oh that's cool but also like yeah but that's cool um but i don't feel like that would translate as well like mm -hmm. the pike thing as 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 manufactured tension like because right. it's not like it, it's it's cool but like unless that's the focus of the story you can't have yeah. that be a b-plot that sounds like a very special episode of an 80s children's cartoon yes yes i mean i, I guess it, it is hard to have like a moral it's like uh, at the end of episodes kind of, of gi joe where you know roadblock comes on uh -huh. <laughs> telling kids you shouldn't play with fireworks yes. knowing is half the battle knowing is half the battle your friends are what make you strong. No, like, that's actually probably more of a Captain Planet moral yeah. rather than a G.I. Joe one. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those, like, it, it, it works for a D&D &D session because a, lo a lot of D&D &D is, 
uh, you know, like like children's puzzles, uh, sixth grade reading level riddles, mm-hmm. um, logic puzzles that you stole from a you know a high school textbook, and uh, and 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 morals and and basic moral stories like fables that children's read. Um, and that's what a lot of D and D is. So it works in that context. But again, in a in a in a in a show, a television show. Uh, I don't know. I just it it to me it fell flat. It was gorgeous. It looked cool. Mm-hmm. Whenever I showed up, that was an album cover right there. Yeah, that was amazing. I loved it. Uh, but it was also just not very interesting. Yeah, but then. We go back to the real interesting stuff. Yes. With Cassandra bleeding out from the throat in this yeah. room while Anders is still sort of dancing around for a minute. Um, Keyleth is the only thing close to a healer that they have. So they get her over there. She gets some junk out of her material <laughs> right. components bag and bag mashes labeled it, dirt. Yeah. Mashes it all together and puts it on the wound and just really starts hoping that something's going to work. Meanwhile, Anders runs out of like he fights with Percy and then runs out of the room. And uh, Percy and I guess Vax and Grog and maybe everybody else went and chased after him. And like, Vax, they, yeah, yeah, they ran through the hallways, uh, eventually getting to this other room. And finally, we get to see some sort of supernatural stuff coming from Anders because I, I, I was just wondering, you know, what he was going to demonstrate here because I actually didn't notice the title of the episode, which is Silver Tongue. Yes. Um, and I was like, wow, he's really holding up pretty well fighting these people who are like half his age right? Uh, when he should be getting completely nailed on this. Uh, but well, actually, I, I think he like he, he first flashed the silver tongue uh, like when he was filling up the decanter mm-hmm. or he, he was, he was pour, pouring stuff out of, out of the decanter into like a, a, a scotch glass or something, which he then throws on the floor and it creates a smoke bomb. But like mm-hmm. he, he says like, oh, uh, uh, or what's your name delilah uh gave me a, a gift and he like licks yeah. his teeth and i thought that that was just like a weird like effect like okay they made his eyes and tongue shine okay yeah, i wasn't sure I, and it, like it wasn't until right when he's like oh they they value me like your parents didn't you know they reward my loyalty and it was yeah. like right then that he demonstrates his power and he possesses those uh animated armors yes and makes them attack which was a really cool fight yeah um because they just come flying out of everywhere and nobody is having any luck attacking them uh yeah. you know uh, keyleth i think at this point at a certain point she shows up because i think she healed cassandra yeah, she she healed and that was i can't tell if i like because it, it, it was funny but like it felt dumb funny if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah. with with uh cassandra waking up and, and just like the way it was like oh i guess she's dead and then she just sits up bolt right and they start screaming like, like ah she, you're dead yeah like she's the undertaker or something yeah like it, it, it was it, it was funny i i did laugh but i also did that like i also sometimes laugh at fart jokes so <laughs> it was it one of those happens. i i usually don't like this kind of thing but it it like undercut the tension a little bit which was which was yeah, nice that's probably why because everything was going at about 100 miles an hour and that was a nice little speed bump to sort of mentally reset you as a viewer yeah and then we get back into it and they finally figure out a way to defeat the armors because there are um like spaces between the metal plates 
Yeah. And they realize if they if they realize holes in armor that are are there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They attack those and they realize they can cut them apart. And just when they're feeling the hubris of victory, Anders is like, yeah, whatever. So then he possesses Grog. Yeah. Dominate. Now, I will say I don't remember. I don't think, but I don't remember this whole silver tongue thing. Mm hmm being a thing at all in the uh really in the, in the, like it could have been but i really don't remember that fight um i, I might have just missed that episode or just didn't pay attention too hard to it mm-hmm. but I, I i i i do not remember him having a silver tongue or dominating grog and the party like none of it huh. that was all new to me like as i was watching i'm like wow that's didn't see that coming. Super gross. I love it. So at this point, my notes get a little bit more staccato because everything was just coming fast. They start doing a lot of quick cuts like Grog gets possessed. They cut back to Pike. I don't care about that. <laughs> I wrote down, I literally have no reason to care about this character struggle because she disappeared in epi- at the beginning of uh, episode three, essentially. Yes. <laughs> uh, essentially, episode one of the actual story. Yeah. So I uh, I just have no reason to care about that. as a new viewer to this franchise I have no reason to care about the character. Yeah. Um especially because there's there's no like gar- there's no tension relieving guarantee if you didn't know that she was going to show up the way she does. Right. Like there's no like like oh good she figured her stuff out now she can walk the what 4000 miles from that place to Whitestone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not as helpful. It cuts uh, back to the battle. At this point, I'm starting to get a, a little irritated at the fight choreography because everybody's worried about Grog and how to defeat Grog without killing him. And it's like, just kill, kill Anders. Right? Everybody attack Anders. Everyone attack Anders. He, he's Someone just standing there. Him. Percy, you have a gun. Just shoot him. Yes. That, you that, have that, a I, magic I gun. That. Shoot him. I was I was doing the 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 backseat movie watching thing where uh, don't uh, like, go in there, don't go yes, in there. Like I kept going, like like doing that. Like come on, just he's right there. He's not even behind the glass. He's next to the window. Just shoot him. Shoot his foot. That'll at least break his concentration, and you yeah. can give him a proper execution later. Well, then Anders. Uh takes control of everybody else and has them attack Percy. And I think he had Which Keyleth... was crazy powerful. Like, yeah, yeah, that I was like, like that was way overpowered. That, that was definitely what cemented in my head. Like if this did happen in the show, I definitely did not see it because I would have remembered that superpower of an ability of being mm-hmm. able to dominate most of the party. Yeah, it didn't even seem like they got any saving throws on that. Yeah. Uh, he has Keyleth cast um, like entangle on Percy and smashes him up against the wall with some vines. Yeah. And then I didn't really understand what was going on there because Percy starts talking about how, you know, you're right. My parents didn't appreciate how, you know, your intelligence or whatever. And I wasn't sure if he was trying to play up on Anders ego at all. But then yeah. all of a sudden he just shot his jaw off. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "What?" I wrote down, "Wait, what just happened?" <laughs> because he was like, like l- looking around and like, "Ah, yes, I figured out all the angles in the room." Mm-hmm. And then, and then, Pachinko machined his uh, yeah bullet. But, uh, which did is his awesome. eyes? Did his eyes go orange before he fired that shot? 
I think so. Yeah, because if I they did, so. if they did, then that makes sense. If not, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like how yeah. how could he know those angles that well and the velocity? I mean, he's super clever, right? But I, I, that I feel like that is one of those like you know you, you can only shoot six bullets out of the that like you can only do so much with right. science. I wish um, they I wish the gun was not canonically a six shooter and just had it sort of hand waved away that it was some sort of magical ammo or something like that that never needed to be reloaded. Right. That would make a well, little bit. They show him a number of times reloading it. So but yes. and then also firing way more than six shots. Right. Well, maybe he like loads, maybe like each chamber holds two and it only shoots the first one. If that makes that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's not how guns work. That's not how guns work. But like, you know, maybe that's how the show works. You know, <laughs> maybe it is kind of magical. So they, they shoot off his jaw and then they cut his tongue out or does it fall out? I can't remember. Uh, no, he, he shot the jaw off and that knocked the tongue out when it okay. shot it off. And yeah, and then the tongue hits the ground while Anders is still alive and it starts slinking all over the place. God, like, that was gross. Like, I loved like, it. Uh, thing from the Adams family. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they run, <laughs> they run after it. And then finally they like, they stab it or I think Grog stabs it or something. With yeah. An arrow. Grog uh, pulled an arrow out of himself, I think, and stabbed it or something like that. Yeah. But then Anders is still alive, just sitting there, you know, no, no bottom jaw. And oh. Percy goes into plague mode and the death yeah. smoke. And uh, he goes over and just shoots him out the window. <laughs> And Which everybody, everybody's like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Percy's executions have been getting pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, which was like, that, that was something like, it was definitely crazy over the top, dangerous, clearly the character's losing himself. Mm -hmm. But both in the, the, the Critical Role show, as well as in uh, Legends of Vox Machina, like, they're gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. scenes. Yeah, they were fantastic. And at this point, They've, you know, they've got Cassandra, they reunite, you know, she's fine. Um, she and Percy sort of have an initial sort of not maybe apology moment, but just reconcile without reconciling. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just sort of accepting each other at this point. And he feels the same guilt that's been with him forever since he, since he ran away in the snow that right. night. And, but he's, Trying and she kind of lays it lays it into him too yeah yeah uh but you know there really isn't time to process all that because they have all this other stuff to do because they have to send a like a signal to the resistance to let them yes. know they were successful and um i think it was was it keyleth she managed to do yeah, she a uses, thing uh sky right yeah and um, which is the, the 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 druid spell where you can make a symbol in the clouds yeah and uh essentially like breaks the clouds open yes breaks the clouds and draws the dorolo crest which i i will say that is an abstract either an abstract rendition of the crest or i have no idea what the dorolo crest looks like because i <laughs> could not get a, a solid image out of it in my mind maybe let me just google what the dorolo crest looks like <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes yeah because um, like it, it, it i remember oh it's the tree with a sun over top the sun tree yes well i didn't see that in the clouds but i'm sure the rest of the peep the villagers did um so this happens and then it cuts to the castle and silas and delilah are there 
and they're saying that they need to uh, Delilah's mad and she says, well, we need to just get things moving. We need to accelerate plans, basically. Um, And then she does a thing. She like kills her attendant and drags him into a pentagram yeah and then, a big old circle of summoning things yeah and, and then it cuts to a cemetery also like zombies start coming out of the ground more, well 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 for, for preceded by uh uh more uh made up mumbo jumbo words yeah yeah i thought of you when i when when i got to that part because just, you were complaining just, about the mumbo like jumbo it's, it's it's so like it's 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 a wasted opportunity to come up with like you know an amazing couplet or something like that like that's why you do those things in english or at least a language because mm-hmm. you, you should do re- it in a fake language you should read i don't know if you ever have but um christopher stashef wrote a series of books called a wizard in rhyme Ooh, are you no, familiar with these i'm not all right quick quick uh detour here but the premise of the story is that it's an english literature grad student who accidentally falls into a fantasy world where he discovers that mm. words have magic power so he like Shakespeare oh, I heard so- about this yes. yeah Shakespeare's sonnets are spells and stuff yeah and he becomes the court wizard for yes. somebody yeah i love this <laughs> yeah they're, the they're wizard the witch doctor yeah i remember these yeah yeah they're they're definitely worth reading i read i read the first two i think about 20 years ago uh, I had uh, someone someone told told me about this uh, a while back. Um, I think it was like an, an author was just like one of their favorite books. Um, so we end the episode with Scanlan feeling really good about himself as yeah. he's just sort of moseying back to everybody, and, and then, then he meets a horde. <laughs> yeah, a whole <laughs> bunch of zombies. It looked like Killer Instinct, just a Yo, bunch right. of skeletal folks just walking down the street. <laughs> Um, I wrote down the zombie CGI looking like Killer Instinct arcade cabinet. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, wow, it was like that. That was also really effective. I believe that did also happen in the in the um, original, like the the hordes of zombies that just like, yay, we won. Oh wait, yeah. No, this episode made me really enjoy Scanlan more. He certainly was not my favorite character going into this show. Um, yes. Like after the first two episodes, I really couldn't stand him, but. Uh, the, these last three episodes really brought him up as a as a character. Definitely. So um, then we go. So then we go to episode nine. Yes, and actually, so so this is uh, part of like 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 the backstory thing, and kind of like <laughs> leading in, into that intro sequence for episode nine. Um, it's really so something that I have definitely been enjoying. Like at, as a DM, you you see what the players are doing, and then you're adapting the world around it constantly. And it's interesting to see like the scenes that obviously like the players wouldn't see. And mm-hmm. so in an actual D and D game that just happens in your head. Uh, I say to the DM um, because no one sees the villain do the thing behind the scenes. The right. players don't see it. Therefore no one sees it. But in this, like you're actually seeing the villains go, Oh, the, you know, the players are doing a thing. I'm going to go summon zombies and then you know why zombies are happening as opposed to from the player perspective in a game zombies just happen and they're like why I mean clearly some uh, uh, Lady Briarwood must have summoned them but like it's that that much of a surprise but like yeah. having can, it in, in a show like yeah. that's really cool yeah I mean yeah the players can usually figure out the cause and effect yes. of, of what's happening but 
it's nice having it spelled. It would be weird if this show was done just from the player perspective. Like yes. that's that there's certainly an argument that that's one way to do something like this. That's like uh, uh, gamers. I think the movie. OK, I've not seen I, that. Oh, I really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's been around for a bit. Um, I could definitely recommend it. Gamers okay. and Gamers 2 and Electric I think there's a third Blue. one. Uh, I've only seen the first two and they're fantastic. Um, to me, those are like that. That is the the example of one way, a good way to do uh, Dungeons and Dragons in a movie setting. Mm-hmm. But that one really is like it flits between the players and the characters, players and characters type of thing. Yeah, that that it would be an interesting way to do it for something like this. But like I've been sort of harping on since we started, you know, what works at the table doesn't work necessarily for a television adaptation. Exactly. And that's 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 where that's where gamers shined, because mm-hmm. like the stuff that works at the table still worked because you they you had the players around the table and then you switch the same players in cosplay as their characters doing the actual adventure type of thing mm-hmm. um and then like you know you hear the dice roll in the background as they wait for the decision to happen and then combat like it it plays up the campiness of it mm-hmm. of the session while this uh show was trying to be a little more serious i think yeah so that was a really good cliffhanger for the episode like that would have been that w- that by itself would have been a really nice like cliffhanger yeah. to a batch of episodes wait- to wait until next week. Yeah, with the horde of zombies. Yeah, but we start on episode nine, and it's not the horde of zombies. It's a flashback, um, and it took me maybe like ten seconds to figure out exactly what was going on. Yeah, to figure out it was a flashback, you're like, wait, why does Silas look strangely alive but also dying? Yeah. So yeah, so Silas is dying uh, for some reason, and Delilah is panicking. Uh, and she runs off and uh, through the woods and everything. She's on a, a mission and goes to this, what looks like an old library, grabs a book like the Necronomicon or something like that, right. gets it home, starts flipping through it, um, finds what she's looking for, carves a rune on her uh, arm uh, yeah. and drops blood into a bowl. And then some weird skeletal face appears in the ceiling. Right. And all of a sudden, Silas is vampire. Yes. And I guess like that's that is certainly one way to make a vampire. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked the uh, the the whispered. I'm assuming that the 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 whispering voice that was calling to her is the the whispered one that she's right. referring to. But like, right. I, I like that effect of it being like that weird. Distant whisper that's like, come on over here, I got cool stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep running. It's a little deeper. Um, yeah. And 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 how how quickly I wonder what it said to her that she was just like, let's go, because it, <laughs> it, it looks like she she went probably a good hundred feet, like maybe like three or four miles even. um, And then came back all in the same night. Yeah. And just like made that trek off of a whim, like the doctor's like, nope, can't save him. Sorry. She's like, no. And then leaps out of her window and sprints <laughs> two miles into a bog for a book like that. That's really cool. I love that because yeah. it shows that like compulsion of yeah, it. She had a mindless determination. Yes. Um, which is like it, it, it illustrates that, but it's also like it's kind of silly at the same time. 
Yeah. So then it cuts back to present day. And as a way to reintroduce us to the fact that the zombie horde is coming, it goes back to the peasants hanging from the sun tree and it pans up the little girl who was supposed to represent Pike. And it gets up to her face and then she just opens her eyes. Yes. And it's like a zombie glow. I thought that was really effective. That yeah, that was a nice Chekhov's gun for those bodies still being there. Yes. Yeah, to, to, to keep returning to it. And then, yeah, and then they, they are. Although, I, fortunately, I don't think they make it down the tree. No, um, they don't. But it, they for, <laughs> for the viewer, it was, it was nice. Yes. Because uh, then it zooms out and you see all the other zombies just sort of wandering around that area. Well, oh, um, and we finally get to see the, the giant zombies or the zombie giants. Yeah, that was cool. That um, was a fun combat. Yeah, the, they fought the zombie horde. There's a bunch of jokes about how the zombies are moving. Um, I think Vax is like, I thought they were supposed to be slow. Right. This, these zombies are super weak, but they're also super fast. Like, it doesn't yes. take much to kill them, but they're just zooming along. Yeah, they're they're fast and uh, very deadly. Yeah. The, the bite on Scanlan's arm going yeah. through necrosis. <laughs> like, yeah, that wasn't just a, that wasn't just like some walker bite from The Walking Dead or something like they. Yeah, just, they were like pretty much taking a chunk out. Yes. And and his arm was like was was rotting like and, and I know like this is a it's it's an animated thing so the 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 look they can make they can be more creative with how things look stylistically, mm-hmm. but wow that was gross I yeah. loved it yeah it was, um so they're fighting all this and one of the resistance people comes out from an alleyway is like this way there's a safe house and I'm thinking like what are you talking about safe house yeah <laughs> you know the whole city's full of zombies right yeah because so they all start running toward the safe house and the zombies are like 20 feet behind them I'm like you're not gonna be safe once you go in there what are you talking about this is just where the horror movie bit happens where the arms grab you through the wall yeah which um, happens <laughs> yeah uh, you know there's like a few minutes of downtime where we get another uh vax and keyleth moment um yeah and... that one i felt was a little and that was that like that kind of thing started to happen a lot in the show yeah. which I, I i didn't like it in critical role and i don't like it here where it's like now right now is when uh-huh. you're gonna have this weird aside mm-hmm. well, uh, and, and, that like, com- and that comes back Yes. They lampshade that later in the episode. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, like there, there were times I could definitely see like Mercer as the DM. There were times where he would sit sit there and he, he'd often do this thing where he like he touches fingers together. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Liam O'Brien would just go into this like romantic soliloquy or something uh, to, to Marisha, like in the middle of some intense thing and Mercer's just sitting there in his eyebrow cocks. And then a couple seconds later he goes, and then the zombies attack. <laughs> like because it's like you just wasted a butt ton of time with your little thing um, um good good on you for your yeah. drama school so uh, you know archie starts talking to percy about how you know what do we do percy says i uh, what are you talking about you're in charge of the resistance uh and basically it's percy saying that he doesn't want the responsibility of his of his title yeah because uh, since he's the eric and, doesn't want to take yeah. the crown yeah, exactly. And he'd say, he's like, titles don't matter anymore. We, we just got to get this done. You're their leader. Yeah, I'm just a ranger. Just a spreader. <laughs> and then that's when the zombies come through the wall. Yes. And, and I, I thought that, that was like that bit with, with Percy, uh, like re- refusing the call uh-huh. over and over. Yeah. 
like it was good but like because the setup and conclusion of that was in one episode like i don't know it, it didn't it didn't feel as dramatic as it could have been it wasn't like totally because there were hints of that um yeah you know, maybe in the pre- but this is where we went full joseph campbell on yeah. the the hero's journey and the story circle on that yes uh, and it, it, it could not have been more literal <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh it, it 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 went through that entire cycle like in this episode um, mm. uh, um and yeah so, yeah interestingly and this mm. is when the zombie this is when per, um scanlan actually got bit because well, he was hanging out by the back wall and yes. a zombie reaches through and grabs his arm and yes bites and the hell chomps. out of it yeah god that was gross yeah and, then uh, it, and that 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 was visceral like like the the show's animation style when it comes to combat and stuff like that is really good at making things look like that gross and visceral feeling mm-hmm. that that pain synthesis where you kind of like check your arm really quick yeah you got like sympathetic pains yeah um i did like uh in that um the 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 God, what was his name? Uh, Duke. Fedmire. Fedmire. That's yeah. it. I I keep trying to save Vladimir because <laughs> vampires. Uh-huh. Um, Duke Ved Ved Vedmire. Uh, that like them reintroducing that character because I think that was also like right before. Um, yeah, they left it kind of nebulous what had happened to him because yeah, it it, it would have been perfectly. Yeah, it would have been perfectly understandable for him to die in that fire and explosion. Right? But oh, he just has a, a toasty brain. Yeah, toasty brain. Um, and so they all escape from the, uh, well, most of them escape from the safe house. They climb up onto the roof and one person's not lucky. A red shirt gets uh, pulled back down and they and everybody's just sort of standing up there looking just through the watching, hole in the roof. Like, oh, watching that sucks, them. buddy. Yeah, and then I, also, we, I, I love in scenes like that where all the the main characters happen to have gone up first. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. I, I actually have a name. I need to go up first. <laughs> if you get up after me, that's awesome, but it's not as required. Yeah, and this is when I think they start talking about Scanlan's arm a little bit and saying, "Oh, you know, like you're gonna lose that arm in like an hour." Yeah, um, it's it's really bad. It's like yeah. necrosis. <laughs> and Grog going like, do, "Do you want me to whack it off?" And Scan's like, "Oh, you might have to if the arm dies." <laughs> and then we get more Attack on Titan. Yes, because um, the uh, giants start coming over, and uh, and they run from where they are on the roof, and they get to another spot, and then Percy has to pull his sniper rifle, which yeah, is what I thought was his weird X-ray gun a couple of episodes back. Yeah. But I just missed where he was looking through a window. Yes. But he gets that and he just blows the heck out of one of those giants. Yeah. The the bad news uh is is it's essentially like the the hand cannon long arm thing. Yeah. Um a really interesting weapon. Uh as as we saw, but also can fire once before maybe breaking. Yeah, it's a glass cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Vedmire comes right after that with two more giants and he sends them to attack everybody. The giants screw up a lot of stuff. They knock a, like a building down that separates Scanlan from everybody else. So it's Scanlan and Vedmire again. Yes. And yeah. And that, that whole bit, like I, I thought that was, that was hilarious and fun 
uh, and th- just the right amount of tension. Mm-hmm. And they they fight for a second, and Vedmeyer ac- actually ends up helping Scanlan escape accidentally by knocking yeah. a little bit of a hole, a hole in, in, the, in, in, the in the wall, roof. and he's able to run through. It was too it's too small for Vedmeyer to follow him. Yes. Um, and then we connect back up with Percy and Archie and everybody else. And there's a very um, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Return of the Jedi moment there where it's like, how are we doing? You know, same as usual. That bad, huh? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Archie gets killed. Right? <laughs> Just out of like, I mean, I, out of nowhere, was, I guess. I should have expected the, it. The, but... um, the, the anime... Uh, uh, two samurais thing yeah it was roni kenshin all the way yes <laughs> swing and then pop his and top half is separate from his bottom half and then it goes back to american style animation with the guts all hanging out yeah and you can see like his spine in there yeah. and everything but i was surprised but i guess in retrospect i shouldn't have been when they were going full throttle hero's journey on percy I yes. should have immediately been like, oh, well, Archie's going to die. So Percy will be forced to step into a place of uncomfortability and accept his yes. destiny. Just like uh, 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 Boromir. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody's getting overwhelmed. They're running through everything. You know, Percy's trying to deal with this emotional trauma of the friend that he just reunited with uh, being cut down. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's another horde of zombies coming from everywhere because the whole town's overrun by them. And then she basically casts like souped up cone of cold on them. Yeah, Keyleth is the humongous cone ice storm of cold. Yeah, it, um, it's kind of it's kind of wimpy at first, and then she sort of summons up the will within herself and is yeah. able to just shoot ice shards through everything. Yeah, that was. Um... I like the way that they showcase her magic, like fizzling and then getting stronger. I still mm-hmm. find it a little silly that that happens, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it, it creates tension. It's there for a story reason, uh, mechanically. Like, do you look at spells as either in, in a binary state of either on or off? Well, no, I just, it, uh, at least in, in this, in this setting, not necessarily in D and D kind of, um, but in, in, in this setting, but it's just like her confidence thing. Like, like we, we were coming back to that. It's like, where is her lack of confidence coming from? Because she's, she's crushing it with this stuff. Like she really is, despite like things sometimes fizzling the first time mm-hmm. she's like, four for four in these last couple of episodes she's doing great it, it, it's it's working very well and she's coming up with the exact solution that they needed um although she didn't have the the special divine healing to heal scanlan i don't think she also didn't even have a moment to try right but this this cone of cold gives them the opportunity to retreat and they manage to retreat back to the sun tree with the you know ragged remains of the resistance and this is where Percy is forced to face his destiny and assume leadership over everybody and basically just say, like, kill every last one of them. Yes. As they start to break through the ice. And, you know, he gives a rousing speech, all the sort of cliches from that kind of thing, yes. which you can let pass because if you were the player and doing this, you would want your moment of being able to do the rousing speech yes. before the decisive battle. Just really straight up you know henry the yeah. henry the fifth 
on yes. this whole thing. And, you know, they will count their manhoods week that they weren't here with us on right. St. Crispin's Day. On St. Crispin's Day. Yeah. Uh, uh, or, um, you know, there, 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 there may come a day where zombies walk across the land and vampires have I'm really good beards. and shattered shields. Yes. <laughs> but not this day. <laughs> but not this day. Today we fight against the undead. Um, and then talking about awkward moments, it's at this point that Vax is like, hey, you know I'm in love with you, right? And, <laughs> and, then, and then they like lead in for the kiss and then Kalis is like, wait, what? What? No, go away. <laughs> what, right, now? right now? <laughs> yeah, I think that that might have been like a nod to possible objections they might have gotten from the poor timing from it, from that, those interactions in the show. <laughs> and then we have we have the um, Avengers Infinity War moment here where uh thor takes the uh um he takes the oh, bridge the back. yeah he takes yeah. the bifrost to wakanda bifrost yeah and throws and throws stormbreaker at everybody and yes. kills a bunch of uh invading aliens because that's exactly what this scene was with this pike's is... astral form yes like this was uh uh when when the cleric happens to get their divine intervention to mm -hmm. work like, this is what I imagine it looks like. <laughs> um, which, I mean, this is roughly, I did have one time where a person's god was Dana Carvey, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was weird. But every other time uh, that someone has gotten off a divine intervention, it's been roughly like that. <laughs> where it's like, turn the tide of battle, explode everything, kill most of the minions, now it's just you and the boss, and now you're glowing. Mm -hmm. Um. So everything just starts to get gross at this point. Um, like there's all kinds of giant killing, uh, like back stabs one in the eyes. Oh, uh, that was disgusting. Yeah, that Grog, was gross. Grog, Scanlan throws Grog at one of them and Grog just lands on it and starts hacking at it. It, yeah. was, it was pretty gross. That was. Um, and then they have a Legolas Gimli moment uh, where Vax is like, well, mine fell first. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think like the, the, the tropes and the designs and stuff like that are coming together more mm -hmm. at this point in the show. Um, it's feeling a little more organic. Uh, and, and what, what I assume that the, the production and the actors wanted, mm -hmm. like this is the dynamic and the feel. And I, I can understand that it does, it is sometimes hard to get to that point. Um, which it, it was a little bit. Episodes one through five were a little harder. Yeah, but uh, these, well, I don't know, like they're 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 definitely coming together. I wonder if it will maintain. You know, we'll see. We got the last batch coming up next week, um, and I have faith that the tension will continue to build and we'll hit a really nice crescendo at the end. Yeah, um, but a, a series of things happen uh, at this point. Um, Percy runs into Vedmire and tells him to be thankful that his name's not on Percy's list. Yeah. And, but instead of killing him, he just gives him to the town, basically. Yeah, like and the townsfolk come out. And... Yeah. And the townsfolk <laughs> just come out and just slaughter him. Yeah. And then after, right after that, a bunch of peasants show up with Yenin and they're carrying like pitchforks and shovels and stuff. And Pike enchants all of them. 
So yes. they have holy weapons, and so they're, yeah. they're fighting zombies with farm implements and stuff. Yeah, because that was, uh, I think, um, Pike's cleric subclass was, uh, I think it was War Domain, honestly. Because mm-hmm. like, that's the one where you get the ability to in- give other people like a bonus to their attacks. That makes sense. Um, I don't, I don't know if that particular thing happened when Pike was there, being able to give everybody magic weapons. But I love that effect. Like mm-hmm. that was beautifully done. Yeah, it was very well done. And at this point, Yenin is like, "Hey, you know, we peasants got this. We're gonna keep attacking these zombies with our farm equipment." Um, and tells the rest of them it's time to you know go into the castle and kill the Briarwoods, basically. And sure enough, there is another castle infiltration through a secret path like a secret passage that yes. percy and cassandra used to use when they were children and this takes us to the very abrupt cliffhanger of this episode as they're going through this passageway in the dungeon and they're complaining about the briarwoods and somebody often a cell is like are, did you mention are you trying to kill the briarwoods and somebody looked like she only had one arm or like one of her hands was cut off or something yes. and yeah. she gets up and walks to the to the uh, cell door and says like, Hey, let me out and I'll take you to them. And, uh, Vax starts picking the lock. And then all of a sudden, just sort of out of nowhere, Percy with plague mask and death smoke appears and puts the pepper box right to her face. And then it just smash cuts to the credits. Yeah. Where he was like, your only option is death. Yeah. So like we said, that's, I guess, Anna Ripley. Um, I believe it is. Yes. So if memory serves. Correct. Yeah. So hopefully I, who am ignorant of all this, will find out exactly what that means. Right. Yeah. At you, the beginning of the next episode. She's she she definitely the character does deserve to be on the list as much as the others do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a significantly different reason. OK, I'm looking forward to finding out. Now, the one thing I will have to say about episodes 10, 11 and 12 coming up is you know, they're already in the dungeon of the castle at this point, and we've got three more episodes. So I just don't feel like the castle is going to be the scene of the final battle here. Uh, it, it, it's, it sort of is, is and isn't like okay. the um, th- once they got into the castle uh, in, in uh, cr- Critical Role, uh, it very much was like like there's there there's a lot of things that they 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 uh i mean it's it's kind of like ravenloft with uh-huh. uh castle von zorovich yeah oh so they have to find silas's beating heart in a parapet of the castle <laughs> oh, for, fortunately not but uh in, in 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 a way it's like there there's a lot of um like like they they very very much outfit the castle with like you know problems and and trials and it it becomes a, a slog to get to the boss fight kind of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. That's what I thought we were getting into here. Um, so my, my guess would be like, uh, cause it's nine, it's, it's 10, 11, 12. Uh, my, my guess would be like episode 10 will be the slog through the castle. Episode 11 will be most or like the getting to the fight and the fight. And then 12 will be the res- resolution of the fight and whatever. The day of the next. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, the last, you know, this and, batch and, of episodes. And your, your exposition for, or the, your explanation for what the White Stone is, is coming up too. Okay, good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. They, um, 
you know, this this has been increasing in narrative quality with sort of every episode because everything's yeah. starting to tie together a little bit more. So, I you know, I'm still I'm still on board for this. I'm I'm really like looking forward to the second season at yes. this point because I think they're finally gelling with everything. Yeah. And it's working out. Yeah, um, I mean, the same. Uh, like, I, 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 I like watching this. It's certainly, it's so much easier to watch than Critical yeah. Role itself. Yeah. Um, not least of which, because I can watch most of this season in the time it takes me to watch one Critical Role episode. Yeah. Um, and this arc, in general, like, just the whole Briarwood arc was, I don't know, like, upwards of 30 episodes, maybe, or more. So like really? 30 times three hours minimum. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So like 90 to 120 hours. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I could be exaggerating. Like maybe it was only like 20 episodes long, but it, it felt long. There, were, there was a <laughs> lot of stuff happening. A lot of like uh, uh, moments where things like, it, you know, you had to parse stuff out because it's, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. So combat takes two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, type of thing. Whereas when you compress that down into actual combat time, that two hours of combat with uh, wh- like seven people at the table, um, turns into like we see in the show, maybe like a minute and a half of combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is mu- just based on whatever what everyone has told me about critical role and what i know about the episode links this is the only way i will ever consume it so it's nice that it's enjoyable um i i I know i know for me like uh i I have a lot of friends who listened once once critical role adapted their episodes into like a podcast a lot of my friends are like well you could listen to it as as a podcast and i'm like i i make a podcast so that means i'm already plugging my ears and eyes into something for several hours a week (laughs) i don't have that much more time yeah yeah and for me podcasts are something that i absorb on my commute yeah and if it's two hours long i can't absorb it on my commute right yeah unless you're commuting to dc yeah so i guess we're in this for the long haul and we'll be back next next week yep to um take it home with episodes 10 11 and 12 i'm excited yeah um i'll touch base with you later about when we can get together to record i'm gonna actually be out of town on saturday and sunday so it might it might be like sunday evening that we might be able to record i don't know what your schedule is looking like but i say this on the recording to let people know if this doesn't come out next monday that's why (laughs) just because i might need a little extra time to get it put together recorded and put together but we'll get it out as soon as we can. Uh, but thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks Gabe uh, again for joining me on a Saturday evening to record this. But yeah. I am I am Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter, and I'm Gabriel at Amethyst Audiomancer on the not Twitter uh, Instagram. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week. Take care. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and you want me and Josh and Gabe to try to experiment and do some different things with it, do us a favor, tell a friend about it, uh, give us a review, give us five stars, all that stuff, uh, like, share, subscribe, the whole deal. 
Um, we got one more of these uh, Vox Machina reviews coming, and that'll be coming next week because the last batch of episodes drops at 7 p.m. on Thursday, episodes 10, 11, and 12. So Gabe and I are going to try and record Sunday evening and get this knocked out pretty quickly. So it'll either be out Monday or Tuesday, probably more likely Tuesday since that's a uh, regular release week for GGP. But we'll talk to you all then.